chapter 14. John chapter 14, a, a most familiar passage of Scripture. I trust that its familiarity will not uh, dissuade us from the truth and the encouragement that is in this passage. And I just want to read uh, down through the first... Uh, oh, let's just read the entire passage that we're going to look at. Let's look down through, read down through verse 19, read... Uh, read with me silently at your seats as I read aloud. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also." And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, in greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Whosoever... And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you in prayer. And Lord, I just ask that you would use this time of the preaching of your word to draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray that if there be those that are unsaved today, that they will hear and understand your plan for their souls for all eternity. We ask that you would strengthen us, that we may serve thee more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hear those words, let not your heart be troubled. I don't know how many of you listen to talk radio, but... Uh, one of the fellows on talk radio has taken up quoting these words. Uh, Sean Hannity will say, let not your heart be troubled. And every time he says that, my heart gets troubled. Uh, and here's the reason why. 
is because he says everything is just going to turn out all right. And that's not true, never has been true, and never will be true. Everything isn't just going to turn out all right. The only person who can say those words and give real comfort is the person who can untrouble the heart. Amen? And I don't know about you, uh, I am not really spending or wasting any time grieving over the departed ones uh, of this week. Uh, I guess there's been three uh, great uh, showbiz personalities that have departed this life or another. Um, my, my greatest point of grief is the fact that not one of them gave any testimony of knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, but if they had, they wouldn't have been great showbiz personalities doing the things that they did because that was all against everything that is in the Bible. And we hear about the... Uh, I, I used to be a news junkie, a political junkie. I'm getting away from that because uh, the, the news is so bad. I mean, it is just depressing and, and it just really troubles me. And then there's a lot of uh, additional work that we hadn't planned on getting into and building the building. And I'll tell you, it's been uh, just personally, it's been a very tough week. And as I was thinking, what... What do we need? I'll, say, I'll tell you what we need. We need a little less troubled hearts, amen? Uh, we just need a little encouragement in God's word. And I, and I pray that, as I found that, that you will find it as well. Uh, Jesus is putting to the disciples, let's put this in context, is what I was trying to say. Jesus was talking to the disciples. He was on his way to Gethsemane. He would spend three hours praying in Gethsemane and then all of the tortures and, and, and cruel mockings, etc. of the crucifixion process would begin. The context of these verses in particular is, let's go back to uh, just uh, in my Bible, it starts on top of a page. You need to turn back just one page, but I want us to go back two verses uh, John chapter 13, verses 37 and 38. Oh, let's get verse 36 too. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Those were the words that Jesus was saying just before he said, let not your heart be troubled. Let me ask you a question today, and it's one that we ask often. How many of you have struggled with sin this week? Every hand goes up. It gets discouraging, does it not? It gets wearisome. Sometimes we just say, why do we have to fight? Well, if you were here in Sunday school, we explained a little bit about why you have to fight because if you're not fighting, you can't sign a peace treaty with the devil. It will only destroy you. You, you cannot have an armistice. You cannot have a, a, ces, a cessation of hostilities 
uh, even for a couple of days or a couple of hours because the devil never quits. But Jesus is saying, let not your heart be troubled. Sometimes we get a little tired. Different people do different things when they get tired. Some people get senseless. They just stand there and stare. You ask them to do something and they can't even hear the words you say. Some people get grumpy. Leave me alone. I'll get out of just, just let me get a little rest. Uh, some people do better when they're tired than when they're fully rested. I, I don't know about that, but I mean, there are some people that just function better that way. People do all kinds of different things when they get weary. But I'll tell you one thing that everybody does when we get tired. We slow down. Our senses aren't quite as sharp. And it's a whole lot easier to get into trouble when we slow down. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I like little Philip's testimony. How many sins... He said, have you sinned? I asked him, you remember, did you sin since you've been saved? No. And he just did. That was a whopper. Uh, that was a big lie. Where he came up with that one, I'm not quite sure. But Jesus paid for all all of our sin. Do not allow the devil to bend your ear with all of the sins that Jesus has already forgiven you for. Now, please don't go to the other extreme. Somebody gave me a book by some radio show, a Christian radio guy, who said, Jesus has forgiven you for all of your sins, so don't worry about it. Just go through the life and don't even consider. No, it says if we confess our sins, uh, we need to bring each and every sin before the Father. But if you forget one, guess what? He's still forgiven you, amen? It's God's forgiveness is not dependent upon your memory. It's not dependent upon you. In fact, if you want a, a, a real title for this morning's message, listen, it's all about Jesus. When we fight sin, so oftentimes what we do is we concentrate on the sin, we concentrate on the struggle. We say, I got to get rid of this bad attitude, or I got to stop losing my temper, or I got to stop, and you fill in the blank, and we think of how we are going to stop ourselves from repeating that wrong act. And really what happens is you're just planning to do it over again. If you want victory over sin in your life, it's got to be all about Jesus and not about you. If you suffer from depression, by the way, if you've ever tried to read a clinical description of depression, it's 
probably several pages long in summary form. Uh, every living human being could be diagnosed as clinically depressed at almost any point in your life. If you're extremely happy, do you know why? It's because you're sub-psychologically fighting against depression and you're just pretending to be happy for the moment. I mean, it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. If you meet a psychologist, he can diagnose you as being depressed. You say, why is it that way? Well, you see, they have to have an explanation for what's going on. And when your life isn't fulfilled, and when you are missing something, and you refuse to go to the Bible and you go to the psychiatrist, he's got to tell you something. Now, there are some people that have real and, and, and physical issues that are included in this, and I'm not telling anyone to throw away their medicine, etc. But I am telling you this. If you'll saturate your heart and soul with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not have to deal with depression as much as you do any other way. It will solve the problems. Now, here's what we do in our life. We say, I want to get over this, and I want to straighten out, and I want to have a good week, and I want to be encouraged. And we read our Bible, and we read our Bible schedule every day, and we, and we listen to sermons, and we really just fill ourselves up, and we start feeling good and encouraged, and our heart is untroubled. And then we stop reading the Bible, and we skip a church service or two, and we allow some worldly influences into our lives, and then we're back down in the dumps again. And we blame Jesus. And it's not his fault. It's us who are on the roller coaster, not Jesus. Amen. And our human body goes through cycles. I mean, there are just things that happen. Chemicals that react in your body that can cause different things. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's a proven scientific fact. If you get overtired and keep continue pushing yourself, guess what? You're going to get depressed. You really are. There's just no way to get past it. And it's a physical thing. So what do you need to do? Oh, I need to take a vacation. That's what I need to do. I just need to rest. Now, I don't know about you, but there is no place that I sleep better than in my own bed, in my own bedroom. Pray I can get the bedroom put back together and get back up there. Amen. Uh, that's where the construction has been this past week. I don't sleep good in hotels. I don't sleep good well on vacation. It's not rest you need. It's Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. He had just told Peter that Peter was going to deny him thrice. He said, now Peter, that's going to be a big thing for you. How many people remember what happened when Peter heard the, finally heard the rooster crow and realized what he had done? The Bible says he went out and he wept 
bitterly. Because he had failed. But why had he failed? Because he didn't have the Lord Jesus. Jesus gave him an opportunity to pray for three hours. What did Peter do? He slept. He was so overcome by looking at Jesus and the grief and the emotion that was upon him that that it literally wore Peter out just looking at the Lord and he just, as the other two disciples that were with him, they just had to under the weight of sorrow that Jesus was carrying. They fell asleep. They just literally passed out. They couldn't handle it anymore. Listen. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27. He says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, If I'm not careful, I can lose the privilege of preaching the gospel. Every one of us ought to take that warning to heart. That battle has got to be fought, but let me tell you who's got to fight the battle. It's Jesus. You often hear me speak about spiritual warfare negatively. And there's a reason why I do that, because most of the books that you read on spiritual warfare give you little things or little quips or ideas how you are going to fight the devil and the flesh. And let me tell you, God has never called you to fight the devil. He will fight the devil because he's the only one that can. He wants you to hide behind him and let him do the fighting. That's why you can have an untroubled heart in a very troubled world. We, we talk about, and I want to be very careful how I say this and, and, and be patient with me, but it, summer is here. And ladies, it's a very trying time for our men. We have, I have my wife teach on modesty and things in the ladies' meetings because that ought to be discussed among ladies. But ladies, the reason why we do that is we want this building to be a haven, a place where our men can be protected in the summer and keep their mind and their hearts on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what church ought to be about. And it's not only in church. It ought to be everywhere we go every day. We fight with sin. And the only reason you don't fight is because you're sinning. Will you come to Jesus and let him do battle for you? That's, that's where it happens, my friend. It's Jesus that wins the battle. It's Jesus that gives you the victory. I remember Mrs. Art Wilson told me one time uh, as I was going somewhere with her and, and I saw her moving stuff around on the front seat and, and I said, what are you doing? She says, I always make room because Jesus is riding with me. Boy, that made an impression on me as a young Bible college student. 
said, man, I, I, I want to have that reality of the Lord Jesus Christ with me all the time. Amen? There are times when I'm driving, I'm wishing the Lord wasn't in the van to watch what I'm doing. How many of you have been there? Uh, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? That's where we need to be. The difference between a saved person and an unsaved person is when a saved person sins, we go to Jesus for his forgiveness. When an unsaved person sins, they try to forget it, but they can't. That's where guilt comes from. They, they just try to understand, say, well, everybody sins, so I, nobody can be perfect. Um, that doesn't help much when you're alone with yourself and looking in the mirror, does it? Let not your heart be troubled, because when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it. He paid the price for every sin. And if you'll come to him, you can have forgiveness every day. But what's the next promise in this passage? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, some modern commentators have a real problem with this. Say, how can you have many mansions in a house? Uh, can you understand what the English word house really means? It's not talking about just the physical building. It's talking about the family and its possessions and the entire area that is under the authority and possession of that family. My father's house is the whole universe. Amen? He owns it all. And he's talking specifically about that new Jerusalem. He's got many mansions. I'm glad I don't have one of those new Bibles. It says many rooms. Now, I'm not planning on spending much time in the mansion because I want to be at the throne of God on my face before him. But one of the things that we need to understand if we're going to let not our heart be troubled, if we're going to let this thing, if we're going to allow our life to be about Jesus... We have got to expect and focus our lives on eternity. A focus on eternity will change the way we see things down here on earth. If our focus is where Jesus said it ought to be, The, Paul, the writer, the Apostle Paul, I believe it was, said something, I'm not quoting exactly here, but the idea is that the suffering, the little time that we suffer in this life is nothing to be compared with the glory that will follow. We have this expectation 
of personal comfort and, and personal good and, and just that life ought to be one step up for every one of us in every generation we ought to get a little better than the last. That's not a biblical expectation, my friend. Jesus said, what were we to expect? We are to expect His blessings in our life with, does anybody remember the next word? Tribulation. But why does He put us in a situation where we find suffering in this life? It's so we'll take our focus off ourselves and put it on Jesus. So we'll take it off the temporal, what's here, what's in our hands, what is set before us, and put it on the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes He puts you in a situation where you get so tired and so exhausted that you can't do anything but lay on your back and look up and God is saying, now I got you where I want you. One of the biggest battles that we face is getting past ourself. May I use some of my children as an example? Someone said, oh, I, th I bet things are wonderful in the Montoro household. Oh, yes, they really are. But there's a lot of conflict. When you put that many people in that little space, there's going to be conflict. And little Philip that got baptized today, he is our crusader. If he sees Esther or Joseph do anything wrong, He's going to stop them. He's going to do everything he can. And then when the big conflict has been created and, and Joseph is screaming at the top of his lungs and, and everybody comes running in and, and trying to find out what's going on, he's standing. But Joey was playing with something he, was, he, he, playing with something he wasn't supposed to play with, our little cherub. said, Joseph, I mean, Philip, it's not your responsibility to straighten out Joseph. It's your responsibility to straighten out Philip. And so often that's what we spend our lives doing, is it not? You see, it's a whole lot easier to see someone else's problems than it is to see your own. But if you don't spend your time looking at your own and spend your time looking at Jesus, you'll find out your own problems are a whole lot smaller than they ever could be any other way. Stop looking to yourself to solve your problems. Start looking to your eternity with Jesus and it'll change the struggles you face. I mean, I, my wife put down on her schedule two weeks ago, rearrange the bedroom. Well, I've done that. Everything that's in the bedroom is now out in the living room or tucked away in various parts of the church and 
and we've taken one wall down all the way to the brick and the window out and we're putting things back in and finally getting to the part where we're putting things back together again and I'm just looking at my schedule and I'm looking at the work and I'm sitting here going, Dear Lord, why did you do this to me? And then I remembered the sermon I preached Tuesday at the preacher's meeting. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. Don't get upset at all the problems that you have to do to take care of the ox. Praise God that there's an ox there. Amen. That's the meaning of that verse. And I got looking at me and I'll tell you what, I got tired. I got depressed and I ran out of energy and I couldn't work as fast as I wanted to. And that made me more tired and more depressed. And I said, I'm not going to live another week like this. This is ridiculous. You put your focus on Jesus and on the promise of heaven and on the things that he has. It'll give you more strength to get the work done that has to be done today. Someone wrote this song. I remember listening to it when I was in Bible college. Uh, I don't know if it was written exactly right then or not, but it was called This Old House. Nothing to do with the television show by the same name, but it said, this old house is getting drafty. This old house needs the roof fixed. There's the screen door on the back is hanging on its hinges and, and everything's falling apart, but Jesus is coming back so I don't have to worry about it. That kind of attitude is just about as unbiblical as anything you could imagine. I'm not supposed to just let things go because Jesus is coming back. I'm supposed to realize that Jesus is coming back and allow that to be the motivating factor to get something done. Amen? To be my point of encouragement and motivation to realize that Jesus is coming soon. Week after week, we meet together on Sunday mornings. And as I look out, almost without fail, there, there are people that I'm concerned about their salvation. I don't know if they're going to heaven or not. Some people said, well, pastor, I'm saved. And yet there's no evidence in their life of anything called salvation, except for the fact they show up church sometimes. That scares me as a pastor. It terrifies me. I would hate to think of someone sitting in these pews, hearing the gospel every week, and missing heaven. But you know what we're going to keep preaching until Jesus comes back? The gospel. Amen. How Jesus died to pay the price for our sins. How that you need to struggle in your personal life to serve and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. How that we need to get our eyes off of our failures and put them on Jesus and understand that He's got the answer. You see, we don't know when Jesus is coming back, now do we? The Apostle Paul said, we which are alive and remain in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he expected Jesus to come back during his physical lifetime. That was a long, long, long time ago. How do we get there? Well, it's real easy. Let's go down to verse 4. It says, And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Jesus said, I'm going someplace. You know where I'm going, and you know how to get there. Now, Thomas is speaking up for all of us right here. 
He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How in the world do we know the way? Say it with me. If you don't know verse 6, read it with me as we quote it out loud. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now that was a really poor practice round. Let's see if I can actually hear you up here. Uh, it's okay to speak out a little bit. Verse 6, if you don't have it memorized, read it. Let's all together out loud. Here we go. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now this is the answer for what we are supposed to do until Jesus comes back. Remember, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Amen. How we battle with sin. It's not about you. It's not what you're going to do to combat sin in your life. It's about Jesus. If you look at everything that is going on around you, put your focus on Jesus and your eternity and what's going on in Congress and State House in New York and all the bills they're passing and all the problems that they're causing us aren't going to be as big as they are. Does that mean there's not going to be some suffering? Oh, yes, there's going to be suffering. But since when did the Bible promise us exemption from suffering? No, it's the exact opposite is true. Put your focus on Jesus. Amen. And until he gets back. There's a lot of people that argue about the will of God and try to figure it out. And, and people have said and asked the question in the past many times, well, how did you know it was God's will to come to Astoria and start a church and, and all of these things? Well, it's real simple. You follow the way. You know the way. He'll take you where he wants you to be. You start obeying Jesus today. He's the way. And you'll be where he wants you to be tomorrow. When we make allowance in our lives and we stop obeying him and we say, well, I can do this one little wrong thing and it'll be okay, we're not in the way anymore. And we get confused and we wonder what happens. We try to tell ourselves, it's just a little sin, Pastor, just a little one. There's no such thing as a little sin. If the only sin that had ever been sinned in the history of mankind was one little quote-unquote white lie, Jesus would still have had to die on the cross. Because the wages of sin is death. There's no such thing as a little sin. There's no such thing as an exemption from obedience to God's Word. It's where we are today. If our focus is on eternity... We're not going to be spending our time trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. We're going to be trying to live for Jesus today. And that's where the victory is. 
That's where God's will is. I know the way. His name is Jesus. The disciples here said, Philip spoke up for him and said, show us the Father. We, we want to see the Father like Moses did. Did you read the answer that's in that passage? Jesus is almost, well, not almost, he is rebuking Philip. He says, have I been so long time with you, Philip? Uh, whoops, I'm sorry. Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? This was Jesus' answer. He said, you want to see the Father? You've seen Him because you've seen me. How long have I been with you? And you don't understand that I am the physical presence of God the Father. If we drew closer to Jesus, would that irritating person at work be so irritating anymore? If we understood the power of God the way the Bible teaches us that God is powerful, would we hold that unforgiveness in our heart toward another human being? I tell you, it's not possible. It's just not possible. You see, but I'm, I'm trapped. I just don't know how to get out of the mess I am in to serve God with my life. Know the way. As you know Jesus, He will force you to do what is right. You cannot be close to Jesus and live in sin at the same time contrary to what any preacher might say today. You see, the more you know about Jesus, the less you'll care about self. We live in a world where we like to please ourselves, do we not? Somebody wrote this years ago, says America is the only country in the world where we boil the water to make it hot. And we put a tea bag in it. Then we go to the freezer and get ice to make it cold. Then we put sugar in it to make it sweet and lemon in it to make it sour. Now, I'll tell you, that's a good recipe for tea, isn't it? I, I like fresh brewed iced tea. But... We can thank God for the prosperity that we have, that we can enjoy those things. But if you're going to live for Christ, it's not going to be without struggle. It's not always going to be just the way you think it ought to be. Because His way is not our way. But He's the one that's always right and never wrong. Amen? He's the one that will give us the direction. And when I'm trusting in Jesus, I don't need my GPS. You plug in those things. Brother Horton brought his along on Tuesday just to torture me on the last hour and a half of the trip, I think. 
He finally got that thing called Tom Tom to stop sounding like Jill. And uh, that always bothered me. And, but it, no matter how he programs, it always gives the wrong directions. And, uh, but we, we think that we ought to have a spiritual GPS. Wake up and read your Bible. Oh, okay. Oh, it's even enough time to read my Bible before I have to get on the subway. We think if we can just punch some buttons in that, that everything will just be told us by a little voice in our head. Let me tell you, you've got to be careful about listening to voices. If it's not written down, don't you listen to it. Somebody said, I just follow my heart. There's nothing more dangerous than following your heart, my friend. It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Don't follow your heart. Follow God's heart. Follow His Word. Know the way and He'll tell you what to do. But He's also the truth. Oh, I could spend all morning. Our time is gone. I've preached too long. I'd spend all morning on truth. Our government is about to pass the largest tax increase in the history of the United States. It's called cap and trade. We're going to solve environment problems. Let me tell you something. And I'm not just listening to the things. I, I've read science books. Global warming is a hoax. As it is portrayed, you're not going to solve global warming by carbon taxes or any of these things. I don't mean to be political this morning, but let me tell you, I just want to state some truths here. What our government is telling us about global warming and carbon credits and all of these things is a lie, is a complete fabrication. It has no other intention of giving control of the energy production means of this country to the government, which they already have anyway. You can't set up an electric producing thing and join the national grid without government approval, but it's just another step in control and dominion. How many of you have personally benefited from the stimulus package? Okay, we had one. This stimulus package has not found anybody new jobs. It has not done anything. It's a lie. All it's done is put us in debt. Deeper and deeper and deeper. Hey, we have people preaching on the television. You need to realize the spark of divinity that lies within you. Let me tell you, the only spark of divinity lies in you is related to the devil, not to God. It's little g, little o, little d, not capital G, because there's no spark of divinity that lies within the human breast other than the sin nature. It's a lie. We were told by Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and all these talk show hosts that they 
were going to drag John McCain into the White House kicking and screaming if they had to. They lied to us. We got Obama. You say, which one's worse? I don't know which one's worse. But I'll tell you, God's finally giving us the government our nation has asked for for the last generation. And it's a terrifying thing to me. I weep for our nation. Wall Street is the largest and most expensive gambling casino in the history of mankind. That's the truth. Why are we supporting all of these things? We live under the lie that if we'll just sit down and talk to people, everything will be fine. That's a lie. Jesus said, I'm the truth. You want to know truth? You've got to get into this book called the Bible. This is where the truth is. There are so many lies that our nation is built on today. Our economy is built on lies. Everything that you see around you, we have religion. I had a guy call me up on the phone. He said, if you put your hand out like this, he said, I could break any finger rather easily, but if you put it in a tight fist, it's strong, and all the religions of the world need to come together and they'll be strong. He said, that's a lie. All the religions of the world are going to come together, and they will be strong under Antichrist. And it will be one of the keys to the undoing of this earth and society on it. You see, Jesus said it was the few that would find the narrow gate. That's the truth. And I don't need strength in numbers to serve Christ. I need to know the truth. Who is Jesus Christ? Amen. Can you say amen to that? I mean, that's pretty depressing stuff. But there's nothing worse than someone who believes a lie and considers the truth now, is there? How can you go forward? How many people gave their lives for the life lie of communism only to be murdered? and put in prison by the very people they put in power. Read the history of the revolution in, in Russia. All of the high-level people who pulled the strings that allowed Lenin and his thugs to come in and take over that nation were put to death by Lenin and Stalin after him. It was a kill-or-be-killed thing. You know, they had an idea. They couldn't get in without someone betraying. But if you were willing to betray your own people to let them in, then you needed to be killed because you might betray them someday. That's communist thinking. And it's a lie. We come to Jesus, and he's the truth.
I can look, my, I can look in the face any human being and I can tell them, Jesus loved you enough to die to pay the price for your sins. There's nothing you have done in your life that if you'll come to Jesus, he will, he'll forgive you for it. Amen? You cannot outlive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You know what? Palestinian and Jew can come together in Jesus Christ and find peace in the Savior. Amen? That's the truth. Any group of racial divide in this world can be solved if those two people will come together in the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the truth. If you want to know the truth, get to know Jesus. Don't worry about how the world does its stuff. So many times we, we get into the idea that we need to understand all the subliminal messages and everything that the world does to trick us into sin. No, if you get to know Jesus, you won't have to worry about those things. How do you tell the difference between counterfeit and genuine? Study the real thing. It'll tell you the difference. And by the way, Everybody wants to have a good life, don't they? I mean, there's something wrong with you if you don't. How are you going to find that life? Well, get to know life. In him was light, and that light was the life, or is the life of men. Jesus said, I am the way. He'll tell you where to go. I am the truth. You can't contradict Jesus. By the way, everything Jesus wants us to know is already written down. It's not my opinion. You can argue with my political opinions. That's fine. But you can't argue with God's word because it's truth. And he is the life. Life is our most precious thing. And yet, all of these people today, what do they want to do? They want to enhance death. More and easier are abortions. The next step, if I were a little older, I'd be very afraid. The next step is when you get old and sick, the easiest thing is for you to die. That's the next step. You say, why do we have to linger on in these suffering deaths and all of these things and these little babies born with all these problems and they live their whole life with all these problems? Hey, God wants to teach us how wonderful life is and how precious it is and how much work it is to preserve it and to honor it as it is a gift that only God can give us. Life. It's not something you have a say over. You let God have a say over life. I'll tell you one thing. When he decides your life is over, it's over. It's finished. I don't care what machine they hook you up to. When you're dead, you're dead. 
Jesus is the life. And until that life ends, I want to live for him. He says, if you'll ask something in my name, I'll give it to you. That's life, my friend, is it not? You say, but I asked Jesus for a new car and he didn't give it to me. Ask him for a million bucks and he didn't give it to me. Uh, wait a minute. It says, ask in my name. I hate to repeat illustrations, but it's the best one I have. If you can think of a better one, let me know. But if you want to ask something in Jesus' name, this best illustration is a check. Have you ever had a check written out with your name on it? And somebody forgot to sign the bottom? You ever had that happen? It happens at the church every once in a while. Somebody will put an offer, a check in the offering and they'll forget to sign it or they won't fill it out correctly. Sometimes I think we need to have a class on writing checks. Uh, but uh, if that check is not filled out properly, I can't go to the bank and say, this person's given us this check. We're asking for that, that money that they've authorized us to take. That's how you ask in Jesus' name. You get to know the way. You get to know the truth and the life. And then you can ask what he's authorized you to ask for, and God is under obligation to give it. Amen? Don't try this at home. Somebody writes you a check. Don't put a couple extra zeros in there and take it to the bank. You go to jail for that. And that's exactly what these people were doing when they, I told God to give me a new car, and he didn't the first time, but I yelled a little louder and he gave it to me. I heard a preacher preach that on television years ago. What a lie. God didn't give you that car. Let me tell you something. God will not give you anything that will draw attention to you. He wants to do things that will draw attention to himself. And by the way, when he does that, who is the beneficiary? You are. Because you're closer to the Savior. You see, it's not about what God wants to do with your life. It's about Jesus. When you surrender to him, you won't care what he does with your life, but I'll tell you, it'll be a whole lot more than you could ever do on your own. Stop worrying about who you are and what people are going to think of you. Get to know the way and you'll be where God wants you to be. Get to know the truth. And when you hear the lies, you'll know what they are. And when you get to know the life, you're not going to have a troubled heart anymore. Because you're going to be walking with the Savior. This little passage... 
Jesus said, listen, verse 19, our last verse and we're done. Yet a little while and the world seeth me not, seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live. Ye shall live also. Hey, this life isn't all there is. I'm getting out of this world alive. If I live long enough and they put this body in a, in a coffin, people walk by and say, boy, he looks nice. They're lying. There's nothing nice about looking at a dead person. We just try to comfort ourselves and realize that their life is over. And that's a good thing. But let me tell you, when I'm dead, I'm going to be more alive than I've ever been on earth. And I'll be more free than I've ever been. And I'll never have to worry about the tempter again. But God's left me here for a purpose. He's given me a life to live. And I want to choose that life to be His. So, I'm going to have struggle with sin. And as Peter failed, so will we. But I'm going to keep going back to Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus died to forgive my sins. Amen. But my focus is not going to be, and this is something you've got to work on. These things, are, you've got to work on them every day. Amen. I mean, these are things that you've got to put into effect. Hey, my focus can't be on all the work that's got to be done in this building. It's got to be done, focus has got to be on in my Father's house or many mansions. Jesus is coming back. If we don't do the work, hey, the building's going to fall apart and we won't have a place to meet. Let's be good stewards of what God's given us. Amen? But let's not get all down in the mouth and worry about it. Let's just keep serving Him today. You see, He's the way. So I'm just going to keep following him. He's the truth. And so when someone tells me a lie, I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to believe the truth. But you know what? I'm not going to get a radio show or a television program and go out and tell everybody the lies. That's not how you fight lies. How you fight lies is find one person that wants to hear the truth and give it to them. Tell people about Jesus. That's how you fight the, that's how you fight the lies. Amen? And that's where the life is. I wouldn't trade my life with anybody. Because we're all going to die one day. And if my focus is in eternity, I can have everything this world offers and miss out on the best that God has. I don't want to do that. I don't want to live for Jesus with a troubled heart. All God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with us during this time of invitation. That you would help us to understand that it is all about Jesus. Lord, if we have failed and are just so worn out and concerned with our sin and our shortcomings, I pray that 
you give that person strength to come here to an old-fashioned altar and realize it's not about them, it's about Jesus. Lord, if there's someone here today that is unsaved, Lord, I pray that they would turn from themselves and get to know Jesus. Lord, my prayer is for those that are overwhelmed with life that we would put our focus on eternity. And until you come, that you would give us the strength that you would allow us to learn that you are the way, the truth, and the life each and every day till you come back for us. We ask that you would work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.